Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, decease and desist. Mark brings the case against his wife, Polly. They had a beloved dog who passed away a few years ago. Mark would like to assemble and prepare a display of the skeleton in memory of their pet. Polly thinks this is weird and gross. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. The sense of death is most in apprehension, and the poor beetle that we tread upon in corporal sufferance finds a pang as great as when a giant dies. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, please swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he's on record as more of a cat person? I do. I do. Very well. Judge Hodgman? You may be seated. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a cat skeleton person myself. I'm more of a ferret skeleton person myself, which may give a hint of a hint of a hint of a clue toward the cultural reference that I paraphrased as I entered this courtroom for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either you, Mark, or you, Polly, name the piece of culture that I quoted? Polly, you are the defendant in this case. Mark has brought you into this court against your will, so you have a choice. You may make the first guess as to the piece of culture I was quoting, or you may make Mark guess first. Which shall it be? Oh, Mark can guess first. Mark, you may guess first. Uh, um, it kind of sounded like something out of Shakespeare, but I couldn't guess what that would be. Your guess is something out of Shakespeare. Sure. But you would have to guess a specific work of Shakespeare. Um, well, clearly it'd be a tragedy. Let's just go with Hamlet. Okay. Hamlet is uh, Mark's guess. Polly, do you have a guess? Um, you may guess another work of Shakespeare if you wish, or anyone. Well, Shakespeare would be my only guess, but since most of my Shakespearean references boil down to musicals made from Shakespeare, um, how about Julius Caesar? All guesses are wrong for once. Oh, I've had too, too much of a run of people guessing the cultural references. It's been really bothersome, but luckily for me, you're both wrong. You're both right. It is Shakespeare. It is specifically Shakespeare's play, Measure for Measure, and even more specifically, a quote from Measure for Measure posted on a page at the SkullsUnlimited.com website dedicated to the Dermestid Beetle. These are the beetles, of course, that Skulls Unlimited, my number one, first and only online stop for articulated ferret skeletons and other articulated and unarticulated skeletons and bones. How we missed that is beyond me. Yeah, well, you should take a look. That's where I got my ferret skeleton. They, these guys know that they have, they have everything you would want. They have, they have uh, real human skulls and skeletons, all kinds of animals articulated and so forth, claws and teeth, bird eggs, replica human skulls, fossil hominids, real animal skulls, souvenirs and novelty gifts and they have a whole section of the page on dermistid beetles because these are the beetles that uh, they deploy uh, on uh, decaying dead animals to eat away the non-bone part not only do they have a page on their beetles they include the beetles as part of their crew they're the who works here 
part of this of the website and it includes these beetles and they're adorable and they have a they have a they have a q and a for the beetles in which they ask the beetles what their um <laughs> if they could meet anyone living or dead who would it be and the beetles supposedly respond we plan to meet everyone eventually <laughs> i'm starting to feel a bias here oh well i mean but you mark brings a good point mark you you want to reassemble the skeleton of your deceased beloved dog kudzu that is correct and polly you wish him to not do this that is correct since this case involves uh, uh, preservation of uh, uh of corpses skeletons and uh, historical medical oddities we have asked a very special expert witness to join us today Dr. Robert Hicks is in the courtroom. He is, uh, are you here, sir? I am. And uh, will you state for the record uh, your job? Your Honor, I am director of the Mütter Museum and Historical Medical Library of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. We are one of the oldest, if not the oldest, professional fraternal organization in the country. Our museum is probably the best known, best visited Museum of Pathological Anatomy in the United States. Pathological anatomy. Those are the words I was searching for when I was when I was talking about this dead dog. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, the Mudder Museum is one of my favorite places in the world, and indeed one of my favorite cities in the world, Philadelphia. Um, but this is th this has a collection. How would you describe the collection, Dr. Hicks? Our collection includes anatomical specimens, mostly human, but not entirely. In fact, we do have an articulated skeleton of a dog in our collection. We also have medical tools. Our library has uh, texts concerning the historical medicine going back a thousand years. Uh, we have a little bit of everything, wax models, um, anything but, and everything connected with anatomy. But but what you're specifically known for, first of all, it's, it's a beautiful, What what era was the collection sort of pulled together initially? It was pulled together in the early 19th century, but the Mütter Museum opened in 1863. So, and it has this turn of the last century feel to it, these beautiful glass display cases. And as you enter in, you start, you, you, it's a collection of bones and sometimes deformed bones from uh, horribly deformed people. You have an incredible collection of uh, uh, trepanned skulls, which is to say, Skulls that have had a hole bored into them while the patient was alive to, as an early medical practice, to relieve uh, intracranial pressures. That, am I explaining trepanation correctly? You're right on with that. And we have skulls with all kinds of holes in them caused by different things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most of them uh, causing death. But you're good. that's a good example of one that uh, involved treating a living person and keeping them alive. I mean, this is not necessarily, let me put it this way. This uh, some of the items in your collection. I mean, the, you, you use the term medical oddities. You have a a a, a life cast of Changning Bunker, the Siamese twins, for whom the term Siamese twins were named. They're joined at the at the waist, more or less, right? That's right. And 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 much of your collection collects these uh, medical oddities or or pr preservation of medical oddities that is not always for the squeamish, but all children love it. That was my first experience there, was me wandering through, looking at this gigantic uh, human colon that had been preserved, that is truly a megacolon, if I've ever seen one, and feeling a little bit like, I gotta get out of there. Meanwhile, my friend's four-year-old daughter was going like, 
this is the greatest place on earth. <laughs> it's an amazing place. And as you know, as you may know, sir, I've long championed uh, uh, a, a film set in your museum called Night at the Mutter Museum, where all of the uh, exhibits come to life, just like in the fun Ben Stiller movie. And and my my dream casting would be Ricky Gervais as the voice of the megacolon. But uh, I'm still working on it. There's a rights issue. But I'm very happy for you to be here. Have I mischaracterized your museum in any way that you feel uh, uncomfortable with? Oh, no, not at all. And I championed the film project and would like to help with the casting. So, well, you know, what? Well, as soon as I get the rights, then we'll have a conversation. I'll get our lawyers together. In the meantime, we'll go over to Little Pete's and we'll hash it out over Scrapple. And Scrapple. In the meantime... Uh, <laughs> that classic combination. Scrabble and Scrapple. Mark has this dead dog that he wants to reassemble as a skeleton. Is Right, Mark? That is correct. And you don't just have this skeleton lying around like it's over there. It's been, it's been cleaned off by beetles at Skulls Unlimited. You, you, you have this dead dog underneath your house? Well, in the backyard. You have buried your, your beloved pet. What, how, tell me about kudzu before we go on. Well, we had, we've had kudzu since, uh, well, we got her in 2001. Mm -hmm. She is a uh, half boxer, half Boston Terrier. And uh, we got her when she was a puppy. She came from North Carolina, and we were living in Illinois at the time. And uh, um, so we called her kudzu because it seemed like a, a local vegetation that we brought up to... Uh, Sure. To Illinois. And then uh, why it, not it name became... your dog after an invasive weed that everyone hates? Exactly. Mm -hmm. It became less funny when we moved back when we moved down to South Carolina. Yeah. It's like my dog, Nutria. <laughs> <laughs> and my and my 35 cats, the cane toads. <laughs> so where do you live in South Carolina now? Yes. And now Kudzu, we're gonna we're gonna talk very frankly about Kudzu, because and the fact that she is no longer alive, and you wish to manipulate her bones in in ways that perhaps people might find gruesome. Indeed, I think Polly thinks so. Uh, but uh, lest you think we are simply cruel and unfeeling, let us say Kudzu, I am sure, was a good dog. She was. You remember her very fondly. He never liked her. That's not true. Oh! Wait! I like her as much as I like any dog. Objection oh, we sustained. We went from first gear to realness. <laughs> pow, pow. <laughs> just dropped it right into realness. <clears throat> Hit that clutch. Oh. Sorry. No, don't apologize. <laughs> Polly, tell me. How much did your husband hate this dog? <laughs> she was my dog. Here, here's the problem. I'm really the dog person in yeah, the house. He's yeah. probably more of a. He's cat more the dog person. bones person. He yes. Our our previous dog. We've always kind of had boxers and in some form. And our previous boxer, he used to. He was obsessed with her with his head. He thought it was the coolest skull, and he would talk about the skull. So then we got. You know, years later, we now have Kudzu. The lie. So this is, what was the name the of the obsession. previous boxer? What was the name of the previous boxer? The previous, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> is that how you would call for the dog? Or did you have a nickname for we the dog? call him Nez. Nez. <laughs> so you would like, you would like come down for a snack in the middle of the night and you'd find your husband sort of 
fondling Nebuchadnezzar's skull going someday. Oh, almost. If he were someday. touching the dog, he would be feeling up the head like it was this weird little thing that he was obsessed with. Your Honor, I believe she is mischaracterizing how often I obsessed with the, over his Overruled. skull. Polly, please continue. So, yes. So he's had this weird skull obsession with the boxer breed. So then now we have kudzu. Well, we no longer do, but we do in the yard. We have kudzu. And when we move down here to the south, you can take your dog when you when you have to have it put down. Yeah. Your options are to take your dog with you and you can bury it in the backyard. This was new to us since up north you had to pay a fee and, you know, they got rid of the dog in whatever way they saw fit and you uh, could take the ashes. Right. Or what um, they, or what they claim to be your dog's ashes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But so when we moved down here, he, first of all, he's been charmed by the idea of this since I brought the dog home from the vet and we had to bury her in the backyard for the kids. You know, it was for us, it was, you know, that first pet loss. All three of our children were very traumatized. We had, Tears by the graveside. Everyone was there to bury Cudson. Yeah. And he pretty much from day one got on this kick about thinking it'd be awesome to dig the dog up. Now, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say day one. And I also, it sounds like I was, you know, gleefully standing by the graveside while they were all weeping. Yeah, and that's it not really true. does. It really does sound that way. And I and Would I'm, you say this was more of a sober pursuit of your lifelong uh, professional interest in dog science as you are a dog scientist? I think that that is that's that's a more fair characterization, sure. What is I'll your profe- what is your profession, Mark? I am a, a graphic Grave designer and illustrator. Well, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Good. Resurrection man? Gotcha. Sure. Sure. And uh, and Polly, do you have do you, do you, what is your career? What is, how do you spend your days? Uh, I teach middle school art. Well done. And how old are your children? The ones we own. Oh, uh, I hope you own Not them all. <laughs> do you have a few rentals at the moment? Well, I, I hope I have my, my classroom. So no, I meant your your actual children, your offspring. Ten, twelve, and fourteen. Ten, twelve, and fourteen. Oh, and so when did Kudzu pass? It will be two years in June, the two, first of June. Two years in June, and uh, she passed. You, 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 obviously, you had her put down because you were tired of her. No, what was the reason? Congestive heart failure. Oh, I'm sorry. That must have been very painful for your for your uh, kids, especially. You know, the oldest was. How old is the oldest now? Fourteen. We so twelve. She was the. They were the same age. Um, we like most normal people got a puppy when our child was three months old. Right. So. <laughs> that's so that you could have an infant for the rest of your life, or at least for a exactly. few more years. Yeah. I admit that's all on me. That was 100% me. Well, you don't regret I, the decision to, to uh, adopt kudzu. Oh, absolutely not. Right. I would do it again. We've done it again. Right. <laughs> we have another puppy. You I have mean, another, you have another puppy. All right. So you say it was not day one after the funeral that you began thinking about digging up your dog and putting her bones back together. I don't know when it was. I mean, I'm sure the idea came to me um, on one of the several times I went out there to cut weeds off of the the, the grave or or perhaps when it was uh, when I went out there to to replace the 
um, the pavers that we had covering her, her burial spot because somebody had stolen them. What do you for mean? For some weird reason. What? What's good? Where do you live? <laughs> well, the house, the lot was vacant when we buried that. When we buried the dog, you we buried your dog in a vacant lot well, that we you owned. owned? The lot. Right. Yes. Okay. And then you covered her grave with markers that were stolen. Can I ask you a question? Was the lot in late nineteenth-century Egypt? <laughs> <laughs> have there been Have there been a lot of guys in matching khaki short pants and uh, jacket shirts? And pith helmets wandering around your neighborhood lately? They, uh, they, they did not find what they were looking for, unfortunately. So, Kudzu, we'll get to your reasoning in a moment, but I, I want to speculate as to the quality of this specimen. Kudzu has been under the ground for two years. Dr. Hicks, do you have uh, any suggestion as to what condition Kudzu's body might be in at this point? Any, any educated guess? I do. I also have uh, a question to ask Mark in a moment, Please. and uh, maybe maybe a solution to this problem. Oh, but the answer to your question about the soil, I heard North Carolina, and if it's like Virginia, it's sort of red clay, uh, high acid stuff. Uh, if uh, I need to know, Mark, have you ever uh, done this before? Have you ever articulated the skeleton of an animal that you recovered from the ground? I have not. Ah, then here's what you need to know. Uh, assuming that you could excavate a skeleton and it's viable in some way, this is a little bit like being handled as parts of the space shuttle and being told, put them together again in their known instructions. And skilled anatomists who do this uh, have a bit of a difficult time, and they also have to alter the skeletal material in order to rearticulate it. But let's talk about the ground for a moment. Given the time your dog's been under there, there is... At the moment, no particularly profound reason to believe you've got a skeleton just waiting to be picked up. You could have, uh, at this moment, uh, a ball of goo wrapped in fur. You may not have a skeleton. Even if you have the skeletal pieces, uh, they're still liable to be connected with bits and pieces of flesh in various stages of decomposition. Yeah, and And, a uh, a, a ball of goo wrapped in fur might be something they might display at the Motor Museum, but that's not something you want in your house. And it'd have to be stable goo for for us, Your Honor. It has to be stable. Okay. But if you pick up skeletal pieces, and, and even assuming you could get most of them from the ground at this point, uh, having not done this before, you're liable to create, at best, a skeletal hut for a Stone Age Barbie. And that's what your kids will see. Your kids will lose all respect for you, and they'll feel demeaned as a result of having their beloved pet reduced to this sculpture. So I did say I did have a suggestion about this. I have seen it done where a colleague of mine had a beloved cat die. The cat was buried for one year uh, in Pennsylvania soil, and it was retrieved, and a friend defleshed the bones dried them, and assembled them in a bell jar as an ossuary. So they're not rearticulated. They're simply arranged under a bell jar, and the skull is there. And I do share your passion a little bit, Mark, for fondling skulls. And uh, I have four cats. They're still all alive, and they seem to love it as much as I do when I stroke their crania and admire all their perfections and imperfections. What have I unleashed? What unholy alliance (laughs) have I allowed to happen on my podcast? But, Your Honor, you did say you were a cat person. I thought it was safe to mention that. Yeah, that's true. No, I I know what you're talking about. I've felt a cat skull before. (laughs) 
I've I've been there. I know. Hey, hey it, my younger brother has one of those hairless cats. It's basically all skull. Yeah, those sphinxes. Dr. Hicks, I feel that we interrupted you and your time is valuable. Right. Is, yeah. Was there a further point you wish to make? Well, uh, since Hamlet has already been thrown up as a false source for your quotation, remember the gravedigger scene in Hamlet where Hamlet says, how long, to the gravedigger, does it take for the body to be reduced to bones? Alas, poor grave- Dr. Hicks, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and the gravedigger says eight or nine years, and uh, that's British soil. Yeah. So North Carolina soil is going to be a lot rougher on the dog, and uh, you're going to have a huge mess on your hands if you try to do this. But I said I had a suggestion. Please. The ossuary that my friend created, if you are able to leave those bones or leave those remains untouched for maybe another three to five years, then take a look. You're likely to get more bone if the bone hasn't decayed, even in that acidic soil. You're still going to have to clear away the fur because, frankly, fur and hair just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. And then maybe think about the ossuary because it wouldn't be so difficult to, say, dry the bones. And if you have to, if you have to, if there's still flesh remaining, you could put them in a pot, although I suspect Polly doesn't want you doing this in the kitchen, and boil the the, the remains off, and then you get your bones. But... The ossuary is a kind of respectful idea. I've liked it when I saw it with my colleague's cat. You might consider that, but I would say leave that dog alone for several more years before giving this a try. Dr. Hicks, can you describe the ossuary that your, uh, that your colleague created, presuming that we don't know what the word ossuary means? I think he means a pile of cat bones with a skull on top underneath a, underneath a, a glass dome. That is true. Your Honor, that is literally what I mean, but I would make this argument to Mark and Polly that an ossuary is a noble tradition. The very first city in our Western heritage, Western civilization, is Jericho in the ancient Near East. And what did archaeologists find? They found human skulls embedded in walls, and these skulls were coated with plaster to give them their lifetime appearance. So the idea of decorating with your friends and neighbors and family goes back a long time. So there's a noble tradition of this. And you can go to Italy. You can go to places in Czechoslovakia where there are big tours of these underground ossuaries where bones have been uh, placed. Underground uh, Paris sure. as the catacombs. Yeah. So these are tourist attractions. I'm not suggesting you charge money to look at this ossuary. Although, no, no, no. That's your, that's your Although business. Although it's worked out very well for you, sir. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to foster any competition. I got it. That's true. We, we, we don't need the competition, but, uh, and likely you would get the same 150,000 plus visitors a year that we get. But it's a thought. But I would suggest for the time being, don't try this. So I'm going to ask Mark and Polly a question really quickly here. Mark, you've heard what Dr. Hicks has said. Has anything he said given you pause in your desire to dig up your dog's body and mount its bones? I would be lying if I said it didn't give me pause. Um, I think that... Can we use a different phrase besides give me pause? (laughs) Overruled. (laughs) In other words, let me let me put it to you this way. Do you want to do it more, less, or the same amount now that you've heard from an expert? Well, I, I, I'm not opposed to the ossuary uh, concept. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're waiting three years, digging up the body, uh, boiling off the remaining flesh, or maybe hiring some dermistid beetles or something. 
really having to, you know, boil the body of your dog in order to get its bones before you can even get to the ossuary part. Do you oh, want to do, say- do you want to do this more, less, or the same amount? And you are, I'll remind you, you're under oath. The same amount. The same amount. All right. Polly. Yes. You have heard the testimony from our expert witness. You have heard his description of the long historical tradition of the ossuary in human culture, as well as uh, his loving description of his friend's cat's bones piled up in uh, underneath a jar. Does that change your opinion about the possibility of displaying respectfully kudzu's remains in your home? No, I'm not, I, I'm actually enthralled by the idea of people. I just don't want my pet. You'll, you'll take I, a human human skulls in your house any old day. I would take that over my beloved pet. Not to mention we have other animals in this house. I envision the current 85-pound boxer knocking that thing over and, you know, suddenly walking around with a bone in his mouth. You're 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 describing like the the most grotesque Marmaduke cartoon ever. <laughs> he kind of is. <laughs> like if David Lynch adapted Marmaduke. It'd be funnier than an actual Marmaduke cartoon. Uh, uh, 85 pounds. I didn't realize that the boxer was and I'm I'm a cat person, not a not a dog person. How 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 heavy was Kudzu you know, how when she died? She was a half boxer, so she was like maybe 30 pounds at okay. most. Well, smaller, Aaron. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, a lot of goo in the ground. <laughs> sorry. Thank you. I appreciate sorry, that. Sorry, not sorry, yeah. I think is 30, what you meant to say. 30, 30. In fact, I think your entire, prof- every utterance in your professional career, Dr. Hicks, could be followed by hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Polly, the scene that you set of one dog uh, gnawing on the bones of another dog is certainly uh, slapstick. I don't doubt that Mark, however, would provide security for Kudzu's bones Would they be were they to be displayed. So setting aside um, uh, weird scenarios like that, is there something um, uh, personal, personally disturbing to you uh, about displaying Kudzu's bones? No, but... Here, here's the deal. All kidding aside, of our three children, our middle child that we lovingly referred to as Id for the first many years of his life, really does react strongly to things and emotionally react strongly to things. And as much as Mark thinks it would be really cool, and Jack, the middle child, thinks Everything Mark says is cool and amazing and awesome. That will definitely hold three years from now. He, well, <laughs> yeah, he's open. But Jack's going to say, oh, dad said it. That's great. I totally want to do it. There's the part of me that sees Jack waking up in the middle of the night with night terrors because he does over other things that he says, oh, yeah, I want to do that. And the next thing you know, he's up having a nightmare about it. So, so what, what sort of thing is he having a nightmare about? that he is initially enthused about. He wants to watch horror films. How old is he again? 12. Mm-hmm. What kind of horror films? What, what was most recently the horrible spider thing? Judge Hodgman, with all due respect, I think she's talking about Spider-Man three. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was actually, yeah. um, I'm embarrassed to say eight legged freaks with uh, David Arquette. Oh, yeah. You should be embarrassed to say that. <laughs> He wants to watch these things. He went to go see The Visit 
wasn't really a scary horror film, suspenseful, whatnot. He thought he wanted to see it. He really enjoyed it. But then still, he's up in the middle of the night weeks later because he has an incredibly vivid imagination. So you're saying that three years from now, when Jack and your husband dig up what remains of kudzu, suddenly what seemed like a fun, cool idea of digging up a corpse becomes actually digging up a corpse and nobody's scarred. Yeah. You're putting it on him. I understand. Dr. Hicks, I believe that you have to get going. Is that correct? Yes, I think uh, I think the agenda calls for another autopsy tonight. Oh. Or, or something more benign. I see. Well, <laughs> well uh, is there before... Before you leave the courtroom, and uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say, or do you have a verdict to suggest? I think the only thing I have to say by way of a verdict suggest is uh, don't touch the dog. Revisit the decision in about three years. Uh, the, the child with the nightmares may grow out of this and may clamor to touch the remains of Kudzu. I think giving this arrest for a while and revisiting the decision is possibly the best thing for the integrity of the family unit in this case. And the and integrity say, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the remains themselves. Yes, mm -hmm. the integrity of the remains themselves. It really does take some significant time to accomplish some decomposition. And you can't absolutely predict what you're going to find when you dig down. And it may not be all that you hoped it would be, even five years from now. But, Your Honor, I do appreciate being called in to testify in this case. I have great respect for the court, and I am very much uh, in appreciation. And anytime you have a question about dead things, you call me. I certainly will, and I don't know why I've waited so long. You honor us with your presence. Thank you for your work at the Mutter Museum. Uh, your website is? Our website is, well, just uh, Google Mutter Museum, and you'll find us. And, and we have a great website that you'll find through that, uh, Memento Mutter, just like Memento Mori. And I know that your highly educated listeners know what that is, so I don't have to define it. And that's a great website that allows you to see a lot of things you cannot see normally here because they're behind the scenes and allows you to see them in 3D. We'll let you get uh, back to the uh, important business of stacking skulls on top of one another in, in your beautiful museum. And uh, now I will turn and we'll say goodbye to you now. Thank you, Your Honor. It has been a pleasure and good luck to the litigants of this case. Always a pleasure, Dr. Hicks. Thank you, Jesse. Bailiff Jesse, will you see him out? Yes, sir, Judge Hodgman. And you know what? While we're at it, why don't we head over to the chambers for a minute? We've got a Max Fun Drive to discuss. Then we'll get back to this case. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Mark and Polly, just you and me and your skulls now, and Bailiff Jesse, we're going to get to some justice here. Mark, I feel through all of this, you've certainly displayed your avid and I think genuine desire to dig up a dog's body and fondle its skull and hold it up in the air in triumph. Finally, I got it. But I'm not sure that I've really heard from your mouth, from your own flesh lips covering your bone teeth, why? What is driving you to do this? This is your chance. Okay. So doing this project would, uh, would probably satisfy a, a, a series of lifelong ambitions for me. Mm -hmm. um, I've long had a, a fascination with archaeology mm -hmm. and uh, with, uh, of course, skulls and skeletons and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I would be approaching this a little bit as sort of a, a, a sort of a, a lo personal learning experience and also as uh, a, a form of artistic expression. Um, reassembling the, this this uh, animal would be sort of this this intellectual and artistic challenge that that I would like to take on. Polly, Plus also skeletons are neat. 
Yeah. I, look, I I appreciate the sincerity of your answer because I was afraid you're going to be like, this will be educational for our kids, which is not why you're doing this. You're doing this because you just want to, you're driven to dig up these bones. You're a digger, just like John Hammond in Jurassic Park. He's like me. He's a digger. Polly, which is more important? Your husband's personal curiosity and, and our desire to artistically challenge himself to explore this thing that he's obviously very curious about or the memory of kudzu? Honestly, <laughs> that's a of course it's going to be kudzu. Do you, I think what he just fed you was a line of bull. He went to an art school where he did all this art where they had to talk about it and, and you know, give all this BS explanation of why things were happening. And I think that's what he just fed you. Well, he went to school forever. Did he take any archaeology classes? I did. What did you take? It was in my first year of college. <laughs> so, I mean, really. Okay, so Polly, if in your opinion, yeah. I this court has been has been fed a line of bull roar. Yeah. What do you think his real agenda is? Because he likes to do weird things. You married him. I know. Is I question that decision often. Stand Your by, honor. Mark. Stand by. <laughs> what other weird things can you provide as evidence that would suggest that this is just another weird thing as opposed to a very specific weird thing that he has because this court often finds in favor of people who need to do one weird thing. Now, but if, but if you think he's just being provocative and just trying to his, wind you up and wind up this court, because that's how he gets his jowls, that would be evidence that I would like to hear, but you have to provide it. You have to provide me evidence of him doing weird things for no other reason than to drive you crazy. His motivation is always to shock. He he likes the shock value. He goes out with people that are friends. They went to a, it was supposed to be some zombie walk, you know, beer fest thing. Just, say, going just say for the with, sake of argument, I don't know what a zombie <laughs> walk beer fest thing is. <laughs> I'm trying to create an image. Well, okay. I mean, you definitely be. have an image, but so, go on. So he went out with these people who we know are in, one of them is incredibly conservative. We are not a conservative house. You can probably tell by the conversations we've had so far, but an incredibly, incredibly conservative person. Mm -hmm. And he wears his kilt and paints his nails black. And it was Halloween. Eyeliner. It's not that weird. It, it is when you're going out with people that would never as a gentleman would never dress like that. And you know that. So you do things like that. Was just the point of really... the, was the point of the event to that adults should be wearing costumes? No. Yes. Was anyone else in a costume that yes. you were with? Well, the people I was with were, were no fun. No. <laughs> what was your costume kilt with black it nails? So it, was, it wasn't so much a costume. I was just kind of it would be random. Dumb. I'm dressing up weird. Are you suggesting that your husband is proposing this just to make you upset? I believe myself and my mother. He likes to freak my mother out as well. Well, that is a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, that 
That is not true. Sta- I mean, overruled, sir. I am okay. talking. I'm talking to your wife. I have the microphone. So, another question. In your honest opinion, as, and, and this calls for speculation, do you think that he really wants to go through the work that was described by Dr. Hicks, especially now that we all know digging up a dead dog and getting its bones clean is actually a lot of gross work more than just pulling bones out of the ground. Do you think he really wants to do this or is it enough that he has gotten you upset on a podcast? No, I think he still would want to do it. I think I know the way his brain works and I know that he's going, yeah, I'm not going to do this for a few years because, you know, he doesn't like when the dog pukes, he's not going to want to clean up dog goo. So I think holding off is definitely going to be on his list now, but I don't think it's deterred him from ever wanting to do it. If I rule in your favor, Mark, will you take the advice of Dr. Hicks and wait two or three more years before you undertake this project? Most likely. No, most likely. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, saying I wouldn't, uh, you know, do an exploratory small excavation just to see where we are. You don't trust the expert? I... When, when, when has Mark ever trusted the expert? I mean, right? Do I read him this correctly? Guy... The no, minute someone says, I know better than you, is the moment that he says, no, you don't. What is the, new, what is the name of the new dog? Bailey is the, is the baby pug that we have. But then we have Guinness, the big boxer. We're two, two-thirds of the way to an Irish car bomb. I think I've heard everything I need to order to make my decision. I'm going to go dig into the earth now and lie there for two years decomposing with my thoughts. In a moment, I will resurface with my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Mark, your wife was put on the spot and couldn't come up with any examples of you acting weird for the sake of acting weird in public. Uh, But I bet you've got some good examples. Well, I I feel that uh, she manipulated the end of that conversation and... Okay, what were you wearing that day that you were wearing the costume that wasn't really a costume? Break it down for me. I actually would probably normally dress like that. What was on your head? What was on your chest? What was on your legs? What was on your feet? Um, On my feet, I could tell you I probably had some maybe Doc Martens or something like that. Okay, so far you haven't said toe shoes. Pretty good. No. But it's not 1988. <sighs> okay, my turn. So um, I don't know what I was wearing on my uh, as a shirt that day. It was either a T-shirt or it was a, a, like a black uh, like button-down you know, short-sleeve shirt. Um, and then I had this black utility kilt that I was uh, wearing. Yeah, okay, there you go. Now it's Polly's turn. Okay. You forfeited your turn as soon as you said the magic phrase, Utila Kilt. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Polly, how do you feel about your chances in the case? Well, I, I do hope that that the honorable judge is a sane and rational person and thinks my husband's a wackadoo. So I, I think I may have a good chance here. I'm hoping. Mark, what are you going to do when you dig up the gravesite of a beloved family pet and find 
not a skeleton that's ready to be presented publicly, I guess, but other stuff. Um, well, it really depends on how much goo I find. Yeah, I was trying not to say goo anymore because it's gross, but okay. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Um, yeah, it's. It, I'm not particularly uh, interested in in dealing with too much of that. So if I were to find a lot, I would just bury her back up and call it a day. <laughs> okay, we're done. We're done. We'll be back in just a second with Judge Hodgman's decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Did I... Did I hear from my chambers below the earth that it wasn't just a kilt you were wearing, Mark? It was a utilikilt? Sure. Oh, those are some fine kilts. But that's not a costume. I don't know what you were going for with that. That's just, that's a, that's a utility kilt. That's all. That's, I was actually just dressing fairly normally for myself. Here's the thing. Mark, your point of view is this, uh, and if I am to take you at your word, which I am not sure I am anymore, after that utility kilt came to light. <sighs> your argument is that you should be able to dig up kudzu's body, treat it, get the bones out, and manipulate them any way you see fit because it seems like an intellectual and artistic challenge to you. And yes. Polly, you argue, no thank you, because I don't want even clean bones in my house, articulated or otherwise, that is to say, as an ossuary, which is to say, in a pile, because your other dogs may gnaw at the bones, and at very least, it might be upsetting to your children and not to your taste. Correct. Neither one of you has made an argument. No one is speaking for kudzu. This really strikes me as a weird omission that... Polly, you would not say this was a beloved creature and I feel that she must rest in peace and that we have gone through the trauma of losing a family member and we don't want to literally dig it all up again. And Mark, I am surprised you did not say, or at least try to peddle the line that somehow this was going to honor Kudzu even more than being buried in the lot. So well, it, I falls, lie to you. it falls to me. I speak for kudzu. And by the way, Polly and Mark, I know you loved your dog. <laughs> but what's clear to me is that Mark has engineered a confrontation on a podcast with the premise of an alarming and rather morbid art project, mainly to get a reaction out of his wife. Mission accomplished. And thank you, Mark, because I enjoyed it too. <laughs> I only hope that your mother-in-law heard it and she's upset too, because now you've accomplished everything that I think you really set out to do by suggesting you become a dog grave robber. And the reason that I come down so harshly on you in this moment is that 
you benefited from the wisdom of a professional, a dead things professional, wisdom that was far greater than the wisdom I expected him to have. This guy came loaded for bear with very specific warnings and encouragements for how to do what you are prompting safely and artistically and with the greatest integrity towards indeed the animal who was your companion for some time. And you were like, yeah, maybe I'll do that. You were driven by some perverse drive, not a desire to uh, legitimately engage in what is for the Dr. Hickses of the world and the Mutter Museums of the world and the SkullsUnlimited.coms of the world, a true, if somewhat morbid, art form. And so I can only conclude, since you are already dismissive of a guy who clearly knows what he's talking about, Mark, that your interest is, if I, I'm not going to say necessarily insincere, but dilettante-ish. And it makes me less inclined. If you simply said, I must do this, I need to feel that skull, finally. Even then I might, I might feel like I want to rule in your favor because uh, you have an urge. Uh, but I would only do so if I felt that you were actually engaging with sound professional advice that had been offered to you. And so it, it, it makes me less inclined to rule in your favor. Because what you're talking about is disturbing the remains of someone, of a thing that is not a human, but was still a part of your family. And if you're going to do that, you have to do it with a tremendous amount of respect for the creature that Kudzu was, for the rotting corpse that she is now and the challenges that that presents to people who take this seriously, and respect for the wishes of your family to not engage and stare into the abyss that you feel the need to stare into. As you can tell, my inclination is to rule in Polly's favor and let Kudzu rest. But I don't think that this issue will truly come to rest until you gaze into that abyss and see what you are really dealing with. And so, I order you, four years from this date, I want you to unearth your family pet. And I want you to really take the measure of her condition, which is dead, And really take the measure of the moment that you have dug up a dog in your backyard against the wishes of your wife and whatever your children may think. And really consider whether or not you want to haul what is left of kudzu out into the light in order to follow through on this elaborate prank on your wife and your mother, her mother and to get that skull. And I want you to consider all of these things. And then I want you to make the right decision and 
rebury kudzu without disturbing her remains and put this behind you. And in the meantime, I suggest you hie yourself to skullsunlimited.com and get yourself some unarticulated skeletons that have already been cleaned and try putting them together. Because if you want a challenge, man, that's it. But with the caveat that I think that you must stare reverently and with full presence into the maw of death that has taken over kudzu and will overtake us all, I hereby rule that you let kudzu rest, you honor your wife's wishes, and you seek your weird jollies somewhere else. Put some bones in your utilicilt, my friend. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Polly, how do you feel? I'm I'm pretty pleased with the verdict. I I can see my husband's face and I can tell you he's he's a little upset. He's going to claim that that I wrongfully won, but I I I'm pretty happy. How about you, Mark? How do you feel? I was railroaded. I uh, I think uh, I think that 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 Polly, who is a, a better liar than I am a truth teller, uh, managed to convince the judge that uh, I my my motivation is to freak her and her mother out, which absolutely isn't true. Well, I don't know. I don't know if your wife is a liar, sir. Although that's quite the accusation to throw around in a court of fake internet law. But I can tell you this. You you are a terrible truth teller, for it is you, sir, who chose to tell me that you own and regularly wear a utilicilt. <laughs> a fact that sickens me more even, sir, than the discussions of what will happen to my beloved dogs after they pass on to the next world. And for that reason, I wish to hear no more from you. Oh. Shut your pie hole, sir, and let it remain forever shut. <laughs> Cross your legs when you're sitting. <laughs> Mark, Polly, thank you for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, you guys. Go check out the Mutter Museum, Skulls Unlimited. I, I encourage you, Mark, to engage in this hobby uh, responsibly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and see how you feel. Polly, have have a great spring. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you, Judge John. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Judge Hodgman, a thrilling conclusion to a terrifying case. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't even tell you how many elements of that case upset me. Uh, yeah, we might need to put a little bit of a warning out ahead of that one. Fr- frank discussion of... Utilicults. Utilicults. I mean, it's just the trauma. The trauma that I've experienced at the hem of the utilicult is enough. I, I don't know if I can go on. But I want to say, I want to give Dr. Hicks of the Mütter Museum uh, many, many thanks. And maybe his own podcast, because that guy had some things to say. Yeah, that guy's amazing. He's been on he's been he's been on Bullseye twice. Oh. And uh last time we were in we were in Philadelphia and he just brought all these weird things to electrocute me with. <laughs> Basically, if I could give an executive summary of the segment, it was <laughs> Dr. Robert Hicks electrocutes public radio host Jesse Thorne. Anyway, this week's case named by Corey Atterbury. Thank you, Corey. Thanks, Corey, for your contributions. Uh all right, Judge Hodgman, I've got some exciting news for you. I love news. We have a brand new segment on the program. What? Just in time for the Max Fun Drive. What a happy coincidence that is. It's called Status Conference. This is a real legal thing, this being a real fake court. Thank you. Wherein we check in on the current state of various already settled cases. Fantastic. We have so many amazing, interesting, weird dads and fun people out there who we've talked to over the years. And we're going to check in with them again and see uh, whether they're still following my rulings or not, or if I got to yeah. go out there and uh, and cause and and set things right. Oh, uh, you know, you don't have to go out there and set things right. I'll do it for you. That's what bailiffs are for. I'll oh. crack heads. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cracking heads and shutting pie holes while John Hodgman takes a rest in chambers. I like it. I like this job. <laughs> Um, well, let's go. Let's get right into it. It just so happens that I have this magic bag full of cases, uh, and I'll reach in and see what I can find. Oh, it looks like it is Pig and his daughters Kim and Jen from the case Father Gnaw's Beast. Do you remember what? Do you remember this one, John? <laughs> I absolutely do. So the context is for our audience: Jen and Kim filed suit against their dad, whose name is Rick, but is known as Pig. Sure. Uh, and Rick loves meat, and uh, Kim, one of the daughters, is a vegetarian. And I seem to recall that pizza figured heavily into this particular case. When dining out as a family and ordering multiple dishes or pizza to share, Rick insisted that the pizza should always have lots of meat, like a meat lover's pizza for the table, even though his daughters are vegetarian. And Kim and Jen wanted more vegetarian-friendly items when they were having these family-style dinners. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, your, your ruling, John. Yes, thank uh, you, because I do not remember. 
Yeah. You said uh, that pigs should consider eating less meat, not giving up meat, but eating less meat and especially eating more ethical meat. Mm -hmm. And that any shared food should be at least 50% vegetarian friendly because, and I think this was the emotional crux of this case. I try uh, to find it every time. Having the opportunity to spend some time with his grown children should be reward enough for him. He shouldn't also have to win a meat race. Yeah. You don't have to add pepperoni to family love. <laughs> exactly. So let's bring Kim, Jen, and Pig onto the program. Hi, gang. Hello. Hey. Kim, you say, hi, it's Kim, so I know which one is Kim. Hi, this is Kim. And Jen? And this is Jen. And Pig, I know the and sound of your voice. Yeah, okay, <laughs> there he is, the Pig himself. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because when I, when I gave this ruling pig, uh, I was going through a, a, a near vegetarian phase myself. Uh, and since then I have basically given up all vegetables and only beef jerky. <laughs> and, and oh, I'm, I'm glad you got over your vegetarianism. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I love a varied diet, but I often think of you whenever I open up a bag of beef jerky. Because if I remember correctly, your 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 life is you, you don't eat anything all day long, and then at night you go full paleo and pound a a salami or something, right? Um, yeah, basically. I, yeah. I'm actually eating more vegetables since I um since you gave your ruling. So you've been abiding by my ruling then. Yes. I even added a new vegetable to my repertoire: bok choy. Bok choy. Bok choy is a nice vegetable. That it is, is a that, very good vegetable. That is the, the mysterious watery vegetable of the East. <laughs> it's a pretty uh, hardcore vegetable, too. It's actually green. Well, sure. <laughs> is it a superfood? Kim or Jen, why don't we talk about your father's uh, new love of bok choy? I, I sensed a little skepticism when he said he'd been eating more vegetables. What, what's your take on it? Either one of you. Uh, well, I've certainly... I think that he has always eaten bok choy, so I don't know about the new part of it. <laughs> he's trying to tr he's trying to trick us. And I also think that uh, I don't I don't think I've actually seen him cook bok choy ever. Do you, I think it's just um, considered one of the non nasty I, vegetables. I appreciate that we're all fixated on bok choy for a moment, but on a <laughs> macro level, since my ruling, have you observed any change of behavior in your father? with regard to his love of meat. So I would say, this is Jen, I would say he has grudgingly abided by your ruling mm -hmm. in ordering food. Um, there's always a lot of bitter complaining, but he does it. Well, but, he's, um, he's, I think, he's a you know, dad. He's a dad. <laughs> right. So, But we're hoping for uh, a clarification and follow-up ruling on a, a new wrinkle of this that's arisen that All maybe right. Kim can explain. All right, go ahead, yeah, Kim. My legal yeah. department has suggested a motion for clarification. Who's, who, who shall make this motion? Uh, I, can, I can explain. So I think... One thing, one, let me just say, one thing about eating more vegetables is a lot easier to make a motion, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll let, I'll let uh, one of the vegetarians speak. Uh, so I think that um, Jen, Jen uh, stated it very well, that we are mostly wondering about uh, when we dine out with, what, as she called, the two people that we can strong arm into also following this judgment that aren't in our family that include um, my long-term boyfriend and her wife. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them, you know, when they eat with either of us are very, you know, her wife was vegetarian for six years, Jen, right? Mm -hmm. 
And my boyfriend actually has told me many times that he prefers eating vegetarian most of the time. But when you all uh, get together with sure the pig. Are you sure you didn't strong arm him? No, we're strong in harming him into following the ruling. <laughs> because what happens when, so your, your significant others are vegetarian right. friendly, but when you all get right. together with the pig, what happens? So when we all get together, say that, you know, we're out to dinner with Jen and her wife. So it's five of us. Yeah. The pig will say that since um, Kate, Jen's wife, was not a part of the original podcast ruling, that she does not count towards the half. <laughs> we should only have to order two vegetarian dishes and then three can be meat. What a scheme. What? Yeah. So he's finding some loopholes. It seems logical to me. This is like a contested convention situation. I, I'll tell we you, need a trusted broker. <laughs> I tell you, I, it doesn't seem logical to me because it just seems confusing to me. What's the logic, Pig, here? That because, it, it, did you think that my ruling was that if you are out with your daughters only, then half the meal should be vegetarian? And if you add other parties, no matter what they prefer, as long as they have eaten a piece of bacon <laughs> in the year, they are de facto carnivores? <laughs> And they and they and they yeah, so and they flip the stats. Meat. No. Well, I thought your ruling was only for our nuclear family. No, incor but... incorrect. Family dinners include significant <laughs> others. Nice try, the pig. <laughs> Can I make a buzz marketing recommendation, the pig? Sure. Jack Link's small batch jerky number eleven has changed my life. Okay. Now, let me just say right now. I do not want them to sponsor this podcast because by no means are these ethically raised animals. This is, and the, and the small batch is undoubtedly a lie. They are made in as big a batch as anything else, but I've tried them all. All there's a lot of artisanal jerky going around Brooklyn these days. And I've been through a lot of gas stations on the road as well. And, and, and of all the fine uh, artisanal jerkies, I still have to say, Jack Link's imitation of an artisanal jerky, the small batch, number 11. Don't go with number 17, the peppered, or number something else, the teriyaki. They're garbage. The original flavor okay. has changed my life. How so? I just like it, and I eat it a lot. And I feel, and I, feel, <laughs> okay. and I have bad breath. That's how it's changed my life. But you, I wanted to share that with you before we said goodbye. That will be some consolation for me saying to you, you're still wrong. <laughs> Jen, I understand you had a story that you wanted to relate. Yeah, we thought your audience might enjoy hearing um, uh, a story about the pig and meat that came up recently. Our family traveled to Las Vegas together, and uh, the pig, when he travels, gets really nervous that there won't be enough meat available to satisfy him. Even when we're going to Las Vegas, yeah. where you can literally get any food at any time. Does he know he lives in the United States of America? <laughs> All right, go on. So when he was at the airport, he bought three Greek meat pies to bring with him for emergency meat for the trip. But he then bought, he bought airport Greek meat. He bought airport Greek meat in the form of pies um, mm -hmm. that he brought with him to Vegas. But he discovered we didn't have a fridge in our hotel room. Mm -hmm. So undeterred, he decided to put them in the coolest place in the room, which was the bathroom floor. <laughs> And he proceeded to uh, snack on these meat pies oh, as needed throughout oh, the three-day weekend. Oh. <laughs> Let me pay. I still haven't thrown up since 1985. <laughs> <laughs> April 15th. 
You hear you hear that sound, Judge? That was the pig dropping the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you haven't thrown up since 1985 is, cannot be a justification for any behavior. You must have an incredible toxin buildup. <laughs> I don't even believe that toxins is a real thing. But man, you gotta you gotta have some toxins. You gotta do some purging, my friend. Setting do you a sweat. <laughs> Pigs don't sweat, right? Yeah, yeah, occasionally. Okay. Pig. Setting <laughs> setting aside for the moment, if not forever, I hope, the topic of your bathroom floor Greek meat snacking. <laughs> Did you discover in Las Vegas that there was enough meat to go around for you? Not absolutely. I never we went to a buffet one day, but by um Midnight, I was um, a little hungry, and I got the last piece of New York pizza in uh, New York, New York. <laughs> a little gnarly. Well, uh, well, then I guess I guess you were right to sneak food into your bathroom. <laughs> I also snuck a magic hamburger into the magic show because the prices were too high there. You you snuck a in what? My, uh, a, a, a magic ham. Hamburger. A magic yeah, hamburger. Know. You snuck a hamburger into a magic show. <laughs> yes. Someday we're going to have the Weird Dad Awards on Judge John Hodgman, and you know you will be uh, one of the you'll, – you'll, you'll be the Leonardo DiCaprio of that. She's highly honored. Right now I'm picturing you – know you know the scarf trick where they're pulling the scarf out of their sleeves and it just keeps coming and coming? Yeah. I, I'm picturing that for the pig, but with linked sausages. Ah. <laughs> I'll try that next time I'm in Vegas. Did you sneak that right. in in the same backpack that you stored your turkey leg in? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this is getting terrifying. So, pig, Kim, Jen, thank you so much for checking in with us. Thank, thank you, you so much. Don't cheat the law. And we'll get back to you when we get the Weird Dad Awards up and running. <laughs> okay. We think of your show all the time. We're going to have a very interesting gift bag for you. Hey, Jesse, send the pig a pound of frozen peas on me. <laughs> Check. Can do, mon frere. You can go to MaximumFun.org to check out all of the amazing thank you gifts um, and uh, support Maximum Fun, and especially support the production of this show. Support uh, not just us, but uh, the studios, the production time that we use, um, uh, folks like Julia and our editor, Mark McConville, and Ibarri and Xperella, who helps with uh, setting up the calls. Um, all of these folks work really hard. They all earn a wage that is paid for by people like you who listen and support this show and all of Maximum Fund's shows by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yeah, I'm here at the Angry Lamb Studios in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn with Josh Feinstein because my computer died and, uh, you know, this guy doesn't work for free. I hope not. Or do you? No, he doesn't. Damn. <laughs> but he, he's, he's, giving us, he's giving us a sweetheart rate and we're very grateful to him. But yeah, we do still pay him as we do everyone who works on this show. And the way that we're able to pay everyone who works on this show is uh, because the folks who listen to it support it. They pay for it. So go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. It's easy. It's quick. The main thing is, as my friend Judge John Hodgman says, don't don't do it. Do 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 it. I did say that. I wish I I wish I remembered things I said. I guess that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> so there are recordings of my things that what are the things that come out of my mouth? Oh right, words. We'll see you at Max Fun Meetup Day on Tuesday the twenty second. Maximumfun.org slash meetups if you want to find where the meetup near you is on our uh, 
live streaming Pledge Drive finale show that Friday evening, and of course uh, on social media with the hashtag MaxFundDrive and at MaximumFun.org slash donate. We love you all. Mwah. Even those of you wearing utilicates right now, it's yeah, very utilitarian just, choice. Look, and uh, you're probably catching some cool breezes, so that's you're having a good time. Yeah, you're not we, sweating it, literally. I am very, very grateful to be able to make this podcast for all of you and grateful uh, to those of you who are able to donate. So I just want to say thank you in advance, in the present, and in the future. MaximumFun.org slash donate. Goodbye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.